Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 54 subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. You are no doubt a little surprised to hear that it's me, Monica Perez, who you might have heard last week, my official last day of co-hosting the DNB was Wednesday, April 27th. I am here with our favorite substitute host of the DNB, Cam Harless. Cam, hello. How are you? Glad I'm, to see you. I'm fine. I'm happy to be here. However, I am not happy about these circumstances. So I I was said my farewells and I went to Jazz Fest for the weekend, uh, which was great. But then yesterday I got a very sad text from Brad that his dad died. Yeah. So I could not. Uh, he asked if I could fill in for him. And of course, I'm happy to do whatever he needs. Uh, however, I have to apologize in advance that I had a 4 a.m. I had to get up at 4 a.m. this morning uh, for a six o'clock flight, which is like four o'clock oh. flight my time. So I haven't been keeping up on the news and I'm a little worse for the wear, but having spent my morning reacquainting myself with what's going on in the world, I'm kind of glad I took that break, but I do feel like I need to get back up to speed. So I'm going to ask you, Cam, to start us off with, I would like some updates on Ukraine. Give us as much or as little as you feel like. And I've got <laughs> tons of materials so we can, but I, I am way woefully behind on Ukraine because I gave myself a little news break this weekend. Well, I, th I think the place to start is uh, kind of a bigger narrative shift that I noticed, which uh, the, the name of the article is more than 3,000 civilians killed in Ukraine so far, says the UN. Friday, they'd said that there were 254 civilians who had died in Ukraine. As of today, they're now saying it's 3,153, 3, but it's probably considerably higher, which is, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that that's not true. I don't know what the numbers are on the ground. Um, but the fact that, one, they, they say that most of these victims were killed by bombs or missiles, you know, things that large explosives... Um, but they're not attributing responsibility to either Russia or to Ukraine. So they're just keeping the, the blame hmm. out of it and saying that, so they want you to think that it's all Russia yeah. because of the way they're not giving any attribution to Ukraine for messing up and killing their own people. Are right? they counting Ukrainians only? Yeah. It says killed in Ukraine, civilians killed in Ukraine. So it's only okay. Ukrainians, civilians, but they, okay. but the, that was, I found it really strange that they did mm -hmm. not just point the finger at Russia or give any numbers that Ukrainians may have killed. It was left intentionally vague. Hmm. And so that jump of almost 3000 deaths just seems narratively convenient mm -hmm. because if well, you that is a number that's very significant. I've noticed with the deaths. I remember ever since I read report mm -hmm. from iron mountain, they said there's a number of people who die that will start to change the policy opinion of the population. And yeah. that's why on 9-11, I noticed, I was like, wow, there had to have been 50,000 people who died today, like on that day. And I was thinking Vietnam type numbers, but in the end it was Pearl Harbor type numbers. It was like 3,000. And I remember thinking that must be the number. 3,000 something is the number where it's just too many people. Although I, I can't imagine that people really feel it for Ukrainians. I think it's a, a little bit of a tough sell because they're so remote from us, but 
I saw people with Ukraine flag t-shirts on jazz fest. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and it's it's interesting to me because that number changes. And then um, Nancy Pelosi makes a surprise visit to Kiev to talk to Zelensky. Apparently, Zelensky has asked numerous times for, for Biden to come over, show solidarity, show that the United States has Ukraine's back, and he hasn't done it yet. So uh, he did send the uh, Secretary of State Blinken and the Secretary of Defense Austin over last weekend. And now we've got um, Pelosi and Adam Schiff over there with a cabal of other names that I couldn't remember if I read them again. All right. So I have some comments about that, if you're okay. ready. I'm ready. So first of all, I always think when they go over personally, they want to talk about stuff that can't be leaked digitally yeah. or anything. So I always feel like that you're going to have some kind of operation after that. Also, I noticed, cause I saw all those names in the news. I saw everyone from, was it Howard Dean or I don't know, like, or Tom Kane, some also yeah. ran from the past, Adam Sheff, uh, Nancy Pelosi, all these. So this is the war party now. So the Democrats are yeah. the war party, the way the Republicans are like the populist party. They're the war party. And they're arguing for everything from just continuing massive amounts of money to weapons to some are even saying troops on the ground. Others are saying bring back lend lease. And if anybody knows their World War II history, they understand where lend lease ended. It was how you get pregnant. It's how you get where you've got skin in the game to mix metaphors, but it's, <laughs> it's how you can say, Oh, well now, now we have to, because they owe us so much money. Now, I don't know if they would ever owe us the kind of money that the original lend lease, but even just to use that expression seems to me setting us up for that kind of an op that there's something coming, but it's a little confusing because on the one hand, they say that I, I saw an article that said that Russia's army was badly wounded, that they sent in 75% of their troops and that they're not, uh, that they're not doing well. There's no backup, but that's like impossible for me to believe. And on the flip side, I don't know if it was moon of Alabama or one of the kind of better sources I like to check said that it's the Ukraine army that's limping along, but all along throughout this, I have felt like it was very clear that Russia would have the upper hand here. And the fact that, we or our proxies in Ukraine continue to prosecute this war and not come to the negotiating table. They These are the outcomes that they want. And maybe they want to split up Ukraine. I saw another headline that said Poland wants a piece of Ukraine. I mean, I just <laughs> I don't I don't know what the end game is, but it seems to me that it, the writing is on the wall for who's the stronger party in this particular conflict. And yet we continue to press on. And I feel like there's definitely a reason for that. Yeah, and it, there there have been some. I, I I don't have a link to this, unfortunately. I read it the other day, um, but there have been some fires within Russian territories right right outside of Ukraine, and people were a little worried about this because right now Russia only has their their contracted soldiers on the ground in Ukraine, and they only have a certain number of them. But once they actually start doing things within Russian territory, even if it's a factory, then Putin at that point would be able to declare war because they were doing they were making war on Russian land, which would up the the standing army by millions, not by thousands, oh. by millions. Oh, that would explain it. So, so the 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 troops that they can send outside their territory is what they're basically expending. Right, right. So and right that now it changes it, the way we had in World War One. We we were not supposed to send. I think there were a lot of uh, 
was a militiaman or something, they're not allowed to go over in World War One. But I think we ended up we did send them. But we used to have that kind of a distinction ourselves. Yes, because right now Putin is um, it's he's called it was a special action something along those lines, yep. a special operation. Yep. And if it if it goes into the war territory, that's when you're going to see Russia really spread out, and you're going to see some. So whether or not they're uh, not doing well at the moment doesn't matter as long as Ukraine doesn't push it too hard. Because that's when the full the full might that's comes out. Very you don't want that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe they do want that though. Yeah, you know? maybe they do. I remember reading something a long time ago that said the country that the power that's in decline wants things to be military, and the mm. power that is ascending wants to the battlegrounds to be economic. Right. So well, and, and so uh, Pelosi went over there, and their their delegation. She said their delegation proudly delivered the message that additional American support is on the the way. Zelensky said, we will win and we'll win together. And she added, we are here until victory is won. Yeah, now that's that's a terrible <laughs> sign too. But there's another thing, and I, I just, I don't have a, a grasp on the numbers, so I think it's probably rather insignificant. But there's a thing about if you want to keep inflation going, and maybe they're serious about wanting to pull back on it, maybe not. But there is a thing about the way we have this debt-based money that you can't, that's why Powell would say it's up to Pelosi to pass the bills. We can inflate the money supply, but only she can create the debt. And right. that, so the, just this constant stream of money, but it feels like the amount of dollars we're talking about, although it's outrageous and I hate my tax money being spent on something so immoral, but that they do like to have, they do like to pump up the debt. Yeah. Well, and in, in addition, additionally in Ukraine, the U.S. embassy has been, they closed down operations in Kiev in, on, on February 14th, a couple, few days before the oh, invasion really? happened. Oh yeah, and, that's right. And I was like, what are they worried about? <laughs> a lot of us are that way. I mean, yeah. savvy people. It was just hard to believe because it was so obvious Russia had the, would have the upper hand. Yeah. And well, and that's and so why I think it's, they knew, you know, they moved to Lvov and now they're saying like, th it seems like there's a lot of contradicting information that's coming out right now, which is confusing. But if you look at it, I think that these are, these are plays to get you to feel safe. Um, but they, they moved to Lvov and at this point they say that they're going to be back in Kiev by the end of May. Hmm. They've, they've decided the U S embassy is going to go back. So I feel like that is to say, hey, things are going to get better. But then you have Adam Kinzinger out of Illinois, uh, the Republican, on Sunday introduced an authorization for use of military force, an AUMF, uh, another a rev resolution that says that if Russia uses chemical weapons, WMDs, or nuclear weapons, that President Biden is able to put boots on the ground to start the war. That's just crazy because of the amount of disinformation that's coming out of there, that there is absolutely no doubt in my mind if they wanted to call something a chemical or a biological attack, they could do that. I mean, they could just blow up one of those labs if it wasn't totally cleaned out and spread that stuff around. And we know they have the capability of spreading around biological weapons if they want to and chemical weapons too. I mean, that is what we did in Syria. They did a chemical weapons attack, but there's so much evidence. Yeah. It, was, it was so obvious that it was... The it wasn't the government of Syria that was doing it, yet that's how it was painted. And even when the record gets corrected, you can still go back and and find people spouting that narrative. Oh, Assad used chemical weapons, so mm -hmm. they can 
they do it. They just, that's where propaganda is really important because they can, I mean, that's when it, <laughs> when words can hurt you. People still do it with uh, David Koresh and Randy Weaver. Oh, they still okay. buy into that propaganda wholeheartedly. Uh, but yeah, so Kinzinger said he was introducing the joint resolution as a clear red line so the administration can take appropriate action should Russia use chemical, biological, and or nuclear weapons. He said, we must stand up for humanity and we must stand with our allies. Oh my gosh, that's so awful. And the deepest side of the day I'm going to tell you about today, What if you know what is the anniversary, May 2nd, 2014, what happened today? I don't. I'm so excited. I saw that in the notes and I was like, I don't know this one. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is very serious. So if you want to stand on the humanitarian side, listen to the deepest side of the day and I'll tell you which side that is. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, reading this story about Kinzinger, it like you said, my first thought was Syria. It's just like uh, Obama put the line in the sand in Syria. If, he, if Assad uses chemical weapons, we're going to war with Syria. This is just the same thing again. Right. And so in uh, my mind, I go, is the CIA, CIA have a sarin bomb that they're just holding on to until this gets pushed through? I would think so. <laughs> so you've got a little bombshell yourself from Sergey Lavrov. Let's save that for the XR. He got himself okay. into rubble. <laughs> so that's Ukraine. Yeah, that's Ukraine. So I also, so I, it was coincidental that your stories today were about Ukraine and Florida because so yeah. were mine. <laughs> and I noticed, I don't know if you were around for this or if you heard this. I did. I actually did two or three deep dives on Disney, the mm. whole Disney thing. It was very clear to me. Florida doesn't go to the bathroom without asking Disney or at least in that locale. So when Disney came out with their, um, I know you told us the don't say gay bill does not actually say gay, <laughs> but what are you going to do? I always fall for it and say their words. <laughs> But they they when Disney said, we don't want to get involved in politics. Oh, we're getting pressured from our people. Like, that's all crap anyway. That's just that's anecdotal. I mean, if it's one person, yeah. two people, it's, if it's method activists, as Byron says, or entrepreneurs, as Binkley has taught us, that they, you can't anybody can say anything about any. You know, I mean, it's just so they're responding to pressure and they decided to hold uh, Florida's feet to the fire about this. Don't say gay bill which there's a couple of things I really don't like about that approach. But um, when I heard them say that, I thought they are, they, they are doing this on purpose. My guess is they're doing this to get, to give the legislature cover for doing something they wanted to, done anyway. So if they no longer have this special tax thing, and I got into the fact that they had a billion dollars worth of debt that they pay everything there. They do not rely on the city for services. It's really, it seemed to me like a benefit to the cities that Disney does all that stuff themselves. They have their own private government and maybe Disney could exploit the city more and just say, Hey, we bring a lot of tourism in here. You should pay for all this stuff. Like what we shouldn't pay for it anymore. I don't, I didn't know what the backstory was, but when I brought all that stuff, it wasn't on the headlines at all. And now today, today in the wall street journal, there were two big headlines. One was about this. One was, Florida Disney bill creates tax mess. And they're like, I don't know what we're going to do with these, or these guys don't know what they're going to do with the billion dollars of bonds. The way the, the, the thing was written, they could easily reinstate that special district. And I think they actually need the district to consent in a referendum in order to let it spin off anyway. So the whole thing seems like a big facade. And for the Wall Street Journal to be parroting this stuff, at, at like the level of journalism that I've, you know, was e was easily 
see, you could easily see through it at the first pass. And then, so they're acting like this is some kind of crisis or some kind of mistake that the, that the government made. I don't believe that. And then the next one was a clash with state puts executives on alert. And this was about how Disney is an object lesson to other CEOs. Do you listen to your constituents who insist that you take a stand? Or do you fear the government who may punish you for taking that moral stand? And what I really cannot stand about stakeholder capitalism, so-called, where they don't just listen to their shareholders, but instead use that money and their platform and their power. These guys who are not elected officials, a lot of times they don't actually have uh, the big ownership position. They're not the founders. They're nothing. They're just politicians who are appointed as CEOs. And what happens is like the big lie of communism for me is that labor in this country anyway, labor has always had the opportunity to participate in capital. That's why I, I did not like the way they did the transition to 401ks was that pension funds used to be the, I think it was 44% of the market was pension funds. So your money your money was at work. And then a lot of laws changed and stuff to make it extremely risky to have pension funds. You had to over... Um, over-insure it, basically, over-fund it and all of that. So they moved to 401k, which is now the dumb money. So labor's money went from being the smart money, everybody had Vanguard basically on their side, to being the dumb money where whenever there's a crash, who do you think gets the sells at the bottom? Probably the 401ks. And I think I've actually dug into that. So, so but you still had that opportunity to buy a single share of something to buy a thousand shares of something, to participate in the capital side. And, and that, but when they start making all of that political, you can't even participate in the capital side without participating in their politics. And at that point, you really have no power because then there's no voting by proxy. There's no pressure that you as a regular guy who doesn't, just doesn't want them to engage in politics. Not that it doesn't, that it wants them to engage in other politics, just wants them to not engage in politics. So this to me is really, uh, it, it really robs the people of the fruits of capitalism, even when capitalism has become almost totally corporate. So I really, really hate the stakeholder thing. And of course, it is a plot from the World Economic Forum. We know that it's a backdoor fascism. But I felt like Disney was a test run. And they're going to pull some lessons out of that for other CEOs to to give other CEOs cover for doing this activism stuff, which yeah. I would say the vast majority of their people do not want. Well, yeah, I mean, just look at um, the the backlash that companies get all that what was the one that um happened during the trump administration that everyone stopped oh wait the most recent one i can think of is um carhartt oh uh, yeah carhartt they they uh decided that everyone Vax, who works right? for them has to be vaccinated and so like i was looking for a beanie the other day yeah. and i was like hey look they have some carhartt ones these aren't too cheap and my wife was like they vaccinate they make you vaccinate yeah. and i'm like okay so i can't buy I was a just beanie now Looking at Uber, the Uber driver today was telling me how um, amazing the new guy is and like how great Uber is these days. And the the stock went up and now it's like half what it was at its absolute peak. It's such a buy, yada, yada. And I thought, you know what? I should listen maybe to that. And then I saw the headlines of them. Was it Uber and Lyft both compensating employees for like driving people across the border to get abortions or something like why the hell do oh, they have boy. to get involved in that crap 
Yeah, I, rem- I remember hearing that. I think it was Lyft that. Oh, uh, is it was, just Lyft? If it's not Uber, then that's even have, better. It may have been Uber too, but I know for sure it was Lyft. Um, which is funny because uh, this is like a grand stage for the culture, culture wars that, that are going on right now. And DeSantis is taking on the culture wars. And this is whether or not it's real, whether or not it's good, it, it doesn't matter because the, the, the narrative is being shown that he is the fighter of the culture wars. And like, yes, I do want to hear that, but I do would like to just say the headline I saw all over the place was Lyft and Uber will pay drivers legal fees if they're sued under the Texas okay. abortion law. And actually, I read a few of these articles and it was not crystal clear to me why they would be sued, but it is both of them taking a political stand there. And, uh, you know, I just I'm not interested. Yeah. Well, in, in the like I, I, last week, uh, I had a story that we didn't go over when I was on with Brad and uh, Oklahoma just instituted the, almost the exact same abortion law that Texas did. And so that's making the the driving out of state even harder. And so like, yeah, they're, they have they're, to go right, further. It's like a fugitive slave law. Like as soon right. as the South seceded, then yeah, you had a borderline. <laughs> but um, the to me, the I, I think everybody listening has probably heard me say this. Like I think these draconian abortion laws I mean, I, I Roe versus Wade is completely against the Constitution. It should totally be overturned. However, these laws violate the current stand of the stance of the Supreme Court, and I can't help but think that it's going to backfire. Well, I think that that's why they're doing it. Yeah, I me think too. That they're, they're I think challenging Roe rights life Wade. has been totally infiltrated. I think, by the way, from what I understand yeah. from people who are pretty active in it, so like. They may even know what they're doing, kind of the way the unions have sold their own people down the river back. But give us a little a little local on the ground DeSantis news, if you would. Oh, boy. So DeSantis, um, love him, hate him, think he's a spook. Doesn't matter. Yeah, right. I still love hearing the man tell me that by the time he leaves as governor, that Florida is going to be a permitless carry state or wow. a constitutional carry state. Yeah, I don't, right. I don't, I don't like that phrasing because it's a yeah, state. It has nothing to do good. with the constitution. I like. Oh, it doesn't. Carry. Well, because uh, the, the according to the constitution as written, state laws Trump. Yeah, it, the the Second Amendment was to tell the federal government that they cannot deal with firearms, not the states, and yeah. so the states making a decision that's just how it should be it's i not- think yes i agree i don't like how overbroad i think it's the 14th amendment gets read to to incorporate the other amendments into state constitutions which i totally disagree with yeah. one thing about the second amendment which i think people overlook and they get mad at me because it sounds like i'm not strictly uh just focusing on the right to bear arms but i feel like it's the only amendment certainly in the bill of rights that creates a positive obligation on the people or the states to have a militia. Yeah. I think it's unconstitutional not to have a second amendment militia. And let me just throw in one little thing that pissed me off as I was making my list of stories today is, um, so anytime you argue with someone who takes the militia stance, that's who should have guns within, uh, the gun rights arguments, they always say, but you don't need militias because your militia is your national guard units. Right. And I read an article. That's that's what that's you know, the argument. I actually want to do a deep dive on how the National Guard really works. Yeah. But that was that was the argument that I've heard multiple times is you don't need it. Uh, they say that the only people who need guns are the militia. And that's what the that's what the Constitution says. And the militia is now the the your state's National Guard. But right now, 
there are the one of the I don't I wish I had written it down. Um, one of the National Guard, Florida National Guard units is in Germany training Ukrainians. See, that is that is I've got to dig into that because that was what I was saying about Wilson. Like he allowed that stuff and it was absolutely wrong. But this is where people get sideways on what I'm saying. I'm not saying that every single person shouldn't. I, I'd sooner have a mandatory gun ownership than um, any kind of prohibit prohibitions on gun ownership. However, the it go the militia thing is in addition. I mean, I feel like they're both part of the Second yeah. Amendment, but the militia is, it seems to me, an affirmative requirement. Yeah, do this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> but let's, uh, yeah, keep going. The only reason I don't like using the phrase constitutional carry is oh, because a lot of times right. all of the gun laws that we have right now right. have been giving given to us and justified through the 14th amendment and the constitution. Yep. So let's take that out. Let's take that weapon out of, out of their holster. Yeah. That's and how they permitless keep, carry. That's how they keep your uh, flags for your <laughs> nativity scenes off your, off your, your town. Yeah. All lawn because they, they incorporate the first amendment into the state law, but it shouldn't be. There was another one and I I'll find this story as well. I didn't think it would come up, but uh, in, I want to say Boston, there was a town that wanted to fly a Christian flag from their city hall, I believe. And they just won a federal case that, and that the judge said that um, the, the federal, that those rights. The first amendment didn't apply. No, no, no. That they uh, messed up. They shouldn't, they shouldn't have done that because of the first amendment. They should have let them fly their Christian. Yeah, flag. see, that's what I. I, I mean, I. I don't it's think a little I, win. The First Amendment shouldn't apply, but yes, I agree that the First Amendment should allow. Yep. The religions. It's no. It's just anti-establishment. It says Congress shall not establish a religion. Like how complicated is that to read? Right. Like what they read extra stuff in it. It's, it's so clearly. If any of them is strictly limits to the federal government it's the first amendment where it's express yeah well and that's the thing like at the time the the constitution was written there were state religions it's like massachusetts had their state church and there were all these different things and so the states were allowed to the federal government was not same with guns the federal government wasn't allowed to regulate firearms but the states were etc and so it was a, it was very much yeah. dependent on the states making these decisions but all i'm saying is right now if i walk outside with my gun on my hip and it, my shirt flies up, I could be charged with open carrying in my state. Right. And if there's the slightest chance that that fear goes away, that I can, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to get a permit. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, that's when they come and get you. <laughs> I'm not going to be put on their list. But the fact that that is a possibility within the next two or three years, I love it. That makes me want to stay here. And it pisses me off that Alabama and Georgia beat Florida to it. <laughs> well, it shouldn't piss you off. The more, the merrier. So, but let's save your last DeSantis story for the XR. Sure. If you don't mind. Is <laughs> oh, that fine? fine? I do yeah. want to hear it. So, and uh, before we get to the deepest dive of the day, which I will tell you, uh, the uh, I'll put another piece in the puzzle about who's right and who's wrong in Ukraine, especially on this day, May 2nd, which is a significant anniversary. But in the XR, we are clearly going to talk about your uh, Lavrov got in trouble and your little bonus story about DeSantis. I also wanted to tell you a little bit about my Jazz Fest experience. Keep it uh, light on this Monday. But before we get all uh, to all that, I would like to thank, as always, TrueHempScience.com. 
and uh, how much they have always supported us. We really appreciate that. And I also wanted to tell people that if you do love to hear Brad and me together, you can continue to hear us on the deep dives at rockfin.com slash propaganda report. And when I get back to doing a little something, I can't fall off the face of the map completely. So I'm going to do some deepest dives of the day after I finish um, filling in for Brad here at the DNB. And I'll put all of that on Rockfin. Brad's going to put all of the DNB stuff on Rockfin. And we're going to do those deep dives. I'll put my interviews there. So please continue to support the propaganda report at rockfin.com slash propaganda report. And now on to the deepest dive of the day. So today is the anniversary, May 2nd, although it might have taken more than one day to be done. But right now they're having a, a march in Moscow in commemoration of the massacre at Odessa. So I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but people talk about the Maidan in the Ukraine revolution where snipers were, anyone who listens to my shows heard this stuff from the mouths of the people, from EU ex- officials to our own State Department, uh, how we plotted the coup in whatever it was, early 2014, I guess it was, uh, and in Ukraine, getting rid of the democratically elected government. And one of the things that really got uh, Yanushenko, is that his name? Yanukovych to <laughs> Poroshenko is the next guy, Yanukovych, to really run and go into exile was at the Maidan where there were protests. They had people shot. They had cops shooting protesters. And what they found was that both the protesters and the cops were shot. They were shot on both sides by the same guns. So that was a major problem in that the the people who took over Ukraine, our people who were supported by us, didn't even want to do an investigation because they knew it wouldn't come out. It wouldn't look too good. And this is just a little aside. When people talk about the Nazis in Ukraine, Nazis, 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 I was listening as per a recommendation from the Zoom party the other day that uh, Scott Ritter, I guess he's a former Green Beret, maybe is some, he he's outspoken now and doesn't always follow the official narrative, but he really focuses on the Nazis controlling Ukraine. And I think it's important for people to realize that it's not that the Nazis control Ukraine. The Nazis was one of the three people who Victoria Newland wanted. She wanted Yatsenyuk on the inside. She wanted Klitschko, who is still the mayor of Kiev on the outside, controlling his kind of constituency. And she, she wanted Tani Book on the outside, who was a, a far right guy controlling those guys on the ground. And when they needed somebody to go in and fight actual Ukrainians, they couldn't get the regular army to do it. They had to start this Nazi brigade, but it, it is not the, ta- the tail wagging the dog that Nazis are the muscle there. They're not the brains. They're not in total control. However, they did, uh, they did bring to bear, I guess this, this happened in May 2nd. I think not, I don't remember exactly when the May four, uh, the May 2014, the Azov battalion was created in May. So around this time, but it was this kind of far right group who, uh, went to Odessa, which is Russophone. So Odessa is a city of about a million people. It's a port city, but they're Russophone. I think it's on the Azov Sea, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's where the Azov Battalion was created. But they are Russophones. So when the coup happened, one thing that uh, 
the puppets there did was they outlawed Russian as an official language, which really effectively disenfranchised a lot of these people. The writing was on the wall that they were going to be second class citizens and they objected. So it was a Russophone place and they had like in the town square or wherever it was, they had a kind of uh, ongoing protests. So if you read, I put both in the show notes, the actual story that, uh, or like the kind of ad hoc story, the piece together story from the ground, the grassroots story, but that is absolutely full of really gruesome pictures. And then you have the wiki whitewash, which says something a little bit different, but the wiki one does still highlight some important factors, which is the, the pro Maidan, which means the people who were in favor of the coup, the pro Maidan people got together with the officials there and decided to get rid of the anti-Maidan people and some of the anti-Maidan people who were the Russophones, they, Russian speakers, uh, also kind of wanted to clear out the pro-Russian or the Russophone protests in Odessa. And they were outside this trade union building. And what happened was the uh, pro-Maidan or the like far-right people started fires and stuff in their little tent city. And they pushed these people into take refuge into this trade building. Now the official story is that that building went on fire and killed a bunch of people. But if you look at these pictures, it's so horrific to see that people were shot in the head. People, um, I think the pregnant woman was strangled to death. There were women without pants on there, uh, were people burned, but the pictures that you see where people burned like just their heads or just people burned, not in the rubble. That's what, when you look at the pictures, it's really horrific. I don't recommend looking at them, but if you look at the pictures there, it's not like you're sifting through rubble and seeing a body in rubble. You're seeing burned bodies. And the accusations are that these guys were in there murdering people, burning people alive, that they already had the keys, that there were snipers on the buildings, that this stuff was, planned in advance and the police did not intervene. And it's really a horrible massacre that is was so bad that I personally believe that this was the rallying point for Russians in Russian to have a lot of sympathy for the Russophones in, in Ukraine. So that when Putin's Putin's Putin used to have really high, he has from every time I've ever seen, it seems to have a really high, um, approval rating. But I remember it being in the 80s back in the day, and then it was down into the 70s. Now it's back into the 80s because I think they were waiting for him to do something. I think it's very popular what he was doing now. And today, Moscow commemorates this day. I mean, that's how significant this day is. And it's that Odessa massacre that really points a finger at the brutality of the coup um, movement back then. And I think that it's you know, if you really get to learn about that, it's even more horrendous than what happened to the Maidan. And that happened today. So when people say I stand with Ukrainians, pick your Ukrainians. Hey, I'm a little nervous at this point now that I just gave that story because I don't know if you realize this, but the when you were doing a show with Brad a while back and talked about something that you didn't believe about the official story um, in a recent event, that show got taken down. I find that so wild. That's like a feather in my cap, I feel like. Oh, my gosh. Well, not if it destroys <laughs> our feed. <laughs> you know? Which is, it's good you say that. Careful. So I think that that goes with the, you know, anything you say that is not real or true. I don't know. I don't know. And uh, now I'm worried about this show. Wild. Well, um, all I'm going to say is that I did look at the pictures, even though you told me not to. And I have the opposite feeling that I had previously. For the last one. Yes, <laughs> I would say. say that those pictures <laughs> are 
painfully authentic in appearance yeah. and they really could make you cry. So I, I, again, I do not recommend. <laughs> so I, I think it's a wrap. I do want to shout out to Brad and his family that our sincerest sympathy goes to them. They've had a rough 12 months and uh, we hope that he gets through this as he always does and with grace and comes back to us ready to uh, continue with his news and analysis as soon as he's feeling up to it. And in the meanwhile, I'm happy to fill in and thank you also for, I guess, if I'm filling in for him, you must be filling in for me. Yeah, I, I, we're just both substitute <laughs> hosting the <this> show. <laughs> okay, well, all righty. Let's on to the XR. XR.